0: Hi, this is Tina Powell, host of In The Suite, where I sit down with top women leaders and some of the biggest names in the financial services and the wealth management industry. Together, we'll discover some of their best secrets and top strategies to grow great business, build a strong brand, and lead teams in the 21st century. I hope you'll enjoy hearing their amazing personal stories of triumph, trepidation, and transformation in hopes of becoming better leaders ourselves. The time for you to lead is now, and you're in the sweep. Kate Healy is a woman on a mission to solve the talent crisis confronting the RIA industry by opening the RIA career path to fresh faces, including new graduates, career changers, military veterans, and other groups that aren't traditionally represented in the financial advice field. Kate is the Managing Director of Generation Next at TD Ameritrade Institutional, and Kate's contributions and philanthropic gifts to the industry are epic. She's widely recognized as a leading advocate for the next generation of financial planners, for women, advisors, and for the financial planning profession. In the suite, we talk about Kate's own origin story into financial services and how she has spent more than 20 years in the financial planning industry, Kate joined TD Ameritrade in 2008, and she's host of the popular blog Advocate. She recently served as director of marketing responsible for promoting the firm's technology and investment product offerings, as well as supporting the firm's advocacy and client loyalty efforts. Prior to joining TD, Kate served as VP of IRA product strategy at Merrill Lynch. And who doesn't know, Kate? Kate was named to Investment News Inaugural Women to Watch in 2015, and a year later, Investment Advisor put Kate Healy on its annual list of the 25 most influential people in the industry. Additionally, TD Ameritrade's 2014 Impact Award for Diversity and Inclusion went to Kate. She is a trustee for the Financial Planning Association, She is a member of Invest in Others board, and she's a founding member of the Women's Boards Initiative at the CFP. Kate holds a Bachelor's of Arts and BA in Economics from Rutgers College, and she's completed the Securities Industry Institute program sponsored by CIFMA at the Wharton School of Business. And one of the many gifts you'll discover about Kate is her advocacy and continuing commitment to others. Back in 2010, when I first came to the industry, Kate Healy was the first woman to give me a seat at the table and make me feel welcome. It's rare to find a person like Kate, but I hope her words inspire other leaders listening right now to recruit and advance from a broader talent pool, to give people a chance, and to pull out their own chair for another woman in the suite. So welcome, everybody. You are in the suite with the one and only Kate Healy. We are really, really excited. And it is off to a very interesting third already. (laughs) So we have both been behind the scenes kind of troubleshooting and engineering. What we hope is an ultimate sound experience. So you'll forgive us if it's a little off. We are using a little bit of a different methodology for recording, um, but we're both happy to be here. How are you doing today, Kate?
1: <laughs> um, I am great, Tina. Hey, if we've learned nothing in 2020, it's we have to be adaptable. So here we are.
0: <laughs> I love adapting. it. Adapting. I love it, and we are certainly we are certainly adapting. What a great way to begin the broadcast pretty much everybody who's listening to this broadcast right now. I think even my mother's met you, Uh, but it's (laughs) really, really exciting to have you, Kate Healy. And it brings me back to when we first met each other at TD Meritrade back in 2010. But a lot, a lot, a lot has happened. And for you all that don't know Kate Healy, maybe for the one or two of you, you've had one of the most incredible careers in the wealth management industry, and in the financial planning industry. Right now, you are head of NextGen at TD Ameritrade. You've been there since 2008. You support women, you support NextGen advisors, you support grads, and you've done incredibly well, also, too, in the fields of philanthropic organizations, giving back to the community. So this is gonna be a really, really interesting discussion. And you have, been, you have all kinds of credentials here, <laughs> and all of these different awards that you won. So I'm really, really proud to have someone like you in the suite. And one of the things that I love about you is your stance on diversity and inclusiveness. It's something that you have been championing now for years and years. So it's going to be a great, great discussion.
1: Thanks, Tina. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited.
0: I want us to both step back into that time machine. And I don't know if you remember, Kate, but at the time, going back 2010, I was very new in the industry. And one of the things that I want to acknowledge you for, and again, it's part of your platform, it's part of what Kate Healy stands for, diversity, inclusion, and bringing more women into the industry. And although that I was not a female, wasn't an advisor, I wasn't seeking an advisory capacity, you and I had something in common, and that was the marketing gene. And so you, on the other hand, when I first met you, I was really interested in your background, how you came to this industry, and I know you're a New Jersey native like me.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. uh,
0: you (laughs) You have a BA in economics from Rutgers, but kind of talk to us about you landing those first gigs in life insurance and financial services, because we were both in the same vertical, right? We were both in marketing. However, you took a very different path. And so, yes, you were an economics major. I was a business major. But again, you welcomed me with such open arms and made me feel so comfortable when I felt like I was like a fish out of water.
1: Oh, you were a fish out of water. I was so excited to get Another woman into the industry. It was fantastic, and a Jersey girl at like that. It was it was awesome. We should have done this yesterday. It was National New Jersey Day. Oh, we can celebrate! We'll celebrate all week. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but you know, it's funny. I was I've always been fascinated by money, just in in how people think about it, how they use it, how they use it as a tool. You know, in, right after high school, and while I was working through college, I was a bank teller, and you know, I would handle thousands and tens of thousands of dollars a day, and I just always looked at it as a product just because I I could see what people were doing with it. I was always fascinated with it. It Never, that piece of paper didn't mean anything to me. It just meant it was going to allow someone to do something. So I always knew I wanted to be involved with money in some way. And and I graduated, my degree is in economics and finance. And I have what Rutgers at the time called the CPA option in accounting. So I could sit for the CPA exam, but I didn't want to. So I didn't. And, you know, my first role was like many of us, like, hey, the first job you get, you take, and you you don't always really know what it is. So I, I got a job as a fund accountant, and I used to pretend and tell everyone, no, it's a fund accountant, because that's like an oxymoron. And I worked in an insurance company, and I did the mutual fund accounting for the general account of the uh, insurance company. And while I was there, we actually converted our savings plan to a 401k. Shows how old I am. And it was like one of the, you know, it was, we were all just getting introduced to a 401k and I, I think I was better at HR than signing for signing people up. I ran around and told everyone they had to join this plan because I did the accounting for it. And I saw what the expense ratios were. And I saw how what a great investment this would be. And the company was matching it and, and all of that. And I just, I think that was kind of part of that behavioral piece that I was always so fascinated with. And, and so I was with that firm for about seven years and about five or six years in, at that point, I moved from being a mutual fund accountant to being a financial analyst, which had always been my dream job. And I got it and I realized I would be doing the same thing every quarter, just using different numbers. And maybe that wasn't as exciting as I had once thought. (laughs) And so I was doing sales reporting for, you know, the firm had um, a broker dealer we had 40 offices throughout the country and I was responsible for reporting on all the production and sales and one day i came to work and and my boss said to me you know that that's now a communications function so you're going to move to the communications and marketing department and you're not going to be in finance anymore and i was like that seems weird but okay so i moved over to the communications department and i was like wow these people are fun there's like a lot going on here and i'm still doing the same job i'm just hanging out with different people and So I really just decided to stay within that field. And while I was in marketing, I wasn't really doing marketing, but I got a lot more exposure to financial planning. It was financial planning from an insurance lens, but it gave me just that exposure that I hadn't really had before to a full-fledged financial plan and how that could help people. And so when that firm actually was purchased by another firm and all our jobs went away, which was a great lesson, by the way, at age 28, to see that happen. I took my severance package and I went to go study it and train to become a financial advisor. Mm. And I was doing that for about a year and a half, two years, and just didn't like the sales part at all. I was, I loved the idea of financial planning. I loved giving someone a plan. And I used to say, if people would just walk into my office, I'd be great at this. But the whole you know, cold calling and prospecting and all of that stuff, I just couldn't stand. And so I ultimately left that, but always had in my heart just how great financial planning was and how it could really help families, you know, just achieve their dreams. And so it was something that was always near and dear to me.
0: Yeah, I think that the experiences that we have early on in our career, and it's one of the, the reasons that we ask about it in the suite so much, is for the people listening to understand that I think there is a cumulative power to the jobs that we take early in our careers and even mid-careers, right? Everything is basically stacking. Your experience as a bank teller, getting access to all of those dollars at an early age and just... Having that experience with money, a lot of the things that you just talked about—the experience of a merger and acquisition of your company, and then having to go to another company after that, going from one part of a, uh, of an organization, going from finance, and then making the foray into marketing—and these are basically life experiences that happen for everyone's career. But I really, for you, you had quite an origin story, and then it seems like it. It the path just appeared. You work for some great companies, including TD Ameritrade. We all know Kate Healy is like, I, I actually, I can't imagine you in any other color, but green. I guess I'm <laughs> going to have to make a transition in the future. However, you have worked for other companies besides TD Ameritrade. Mm-hmm. And I do, I want to highlight some of those brands today. So you know, how did you make the move from going into some of those big brands at an early age? You think that being the work that you do with with next gen and, and young people in particular, you think that they need to have that big brand experience early on their in their career to just be like, even to just tip off an applicant tracking system, like, ooh, they, they, they've been here. What are your thoughts on that?
1: That's an interesting question. You know, I, I don't, I don't think people need to seek out the big brand. I think one of the things I always tell folks is to seek out the job that's going to help you learn the most. And obviously, when you're first graduating or starting something, you don't always know what that's going to be. But I I think it's so important to take a role, whether that's a sales role or an operational role or a client service role, that's going to get you into the thick of the company, even marketing, because you, you touch on everything in the company. You learn all the processes and procedures. And a couple of years in roles like that, where you're dealing with clients and client expectations, you're learning the product mix, you're learning how to act fast and and deal with and put out fires all the time. And those happen often in client experience or in client service, or if you're in sales, especially if you're in marketing. I think those are all great ways to set you on a path. Mm -hmm. So the company, sure, it's great to have a brand name from a company perspective, but I don't think that's as important as getting the types of experience that are going to give you a really broad swath of experience and exposure i think the exposure piece to different kinds of interactions i don't mean exposure to all senior management that's great too but it's really exposing you to what the business is all about and how you have to react to that and and how clients react to that i think that is paramount to to almost any career because that that's laying a foundation that you should never forget right and that's what drives so many people, you know when you when you talk about a client being first, we can all say that because we were the ones picking up the phones, talking to the client. and so we we know we empathize with what you know they were going through back in the day with whatever systems we had or things like that. I think that I think that is the the most important piece.
0: That's really, very, very cool, very cool advice. And I think that your career has been a testament to that advice. When you originally joined TD Ameritrade Institutional, and now your role is that of managing director, you originally started out in marketing. So, how did you move through the organization? I feel like your years at TD have been such an, a, a personal evolution for you that you had all of that. You had the accumulation of the skill set, you had that broad knowledge. And I do agree with you. I think that marketing is marketing is a tremendous area of the business because you're exposed to everything. You interact with everyone and you have to learn because you are articulating the brand story, mm-hmm. you have to convey also to what TD Ameritrade stands for, who you stand for, and it's marketing is constantly changing. And I always loved how TD Ameritrade has evolved itself you know, as a brand, and I think that you did it from the inside out. You had the right people, the right ethos, the whole theme of just innovation. But, you know, what were you thinking at the time when you first joined TD Ameritrade? Did you think that you would be in this position right now?
1: You know, it's 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 really interesting. It's funny. When I started at TD Ameritrade, it was June of 2008. Oh, so boy. imagine what, a, what happened in the five months. I mean, it was really it was it was just diving right into the middle of everything but i think that was i wouldn't have it any other way i think that was what makes it so special too i mean td ameritrade is a very special company to begin with we were maybe four or five thousand people when i started marketing was obviously much smaller there were probably less than eight of us in institutional marketing and i think back that we put on a national conference with that few people I, i can't even think about it but You know, so starting in 2008 and really diving in, it was such a great time. It was such a busy time. But, you know, I would say like, it's nothing like just throwing you into the fire to learn, right? So learning a new company, I had not been in the custodian business before. I had been in independent broker dealers that were attached to insurance companies. So they were RAA. but I didn't really deal a lot with custodians. I'd been in the wirehouse model. I'd been in the insurance model. So the custodial model was new to me when I joined TD Ameritrade. So I had a, that learning curve there, but we we always joke that, you know, three months at TD Ameritrade is like three years everywhere else. So by the time you've been there six years, you feel like you have six months experience, but in a really good way because you're able to interact with everyone. And one of the things that, you know, it, it really set the stage for me, too, to know that this was a, a company that was going to be really powerful to work with was in the middle of the 2008 crisis. So in, you know, September of 2008, we rolled into a new fiscal year. And I remember our CEO coming and saying, you know, if I gave you more money in marketing, what would you do? And as a marketer, I'm sure you do this. I've always had a wish list. Just in case someone ever says I can have extra money, I always have a really long wish list of things that I could do. And he said, you know, and we talked about the brand and how, you know, the brand was not known at that time. TD Ameritrade was known as a discount broker. It wasn't known in the custodial space. And with that, we took advantage of all of that information and we took advantage of the fact that everyone else was pulling back because 2008 was a huge crisis to firms. So we took advantage of that and we became the national sponsor of the FPA and of NAPFA. We did the NAPFA Money Bus and we just showed up. We started new advertising campaigns. We did brand work. We showed up in ways that we were able to do that while others were pulling back. And so we really got to take advantage of that crisis as it was happening and really began to get the TD Ameritrade name out there in the custodial space in a much different way. And then really that helped us begin to grow, you know, the the department and just the the work that we could do and really start to focus. And I always fall back on the fact, you know, that the TD Ameritrade was the first marketing department I ever worked in. So even though I'd been a marketer for years, I'd been at an advertising agency, I'd never, I'd usually sat in the sales group with the product group, you know, when I was at, at large organizations. So. Being able to have a background that was a lot of analytics and finances and budgets and things like that also allowed me to look at marketing in a different, from a different lens. So from the creative part, you know, we worked with an agency and I had a great team that, that could help from a creative perspective. But I also looked at things from a more analytical um, lens and looked at how do we you know, be smarter about the money that we spend? What kind of opportunity cost? are we giving up by putting too much focus on something that may not be giving us a return? And so really try to, to add that, that lens of the financial aspect um, and analysis over purely marketing and the, the subjectivity of, of a creative concept and how people can react to that.
0: Well, I mean, you were really just given a a, a gift anyway, that during the recession then that your boss and ceo of the of the company uh, i guess that was tom bradley then
1: uh it was fred Tomzik. that yeah, was yeah fred the, the, tom- the fred CEO. Tom- yeah it's yeah. so
0: interesting that fred said that because i i remember i started going to every td ameritrade conference since 2011 i haven't missed one and that i remember him being on stage with i think it was tom bradley and he mm-hmm. said that one of his best strategies was to always to double down on marketing and communications yeah. and, sh- and like you were just saying, showing up. And I think about the time that we're in right now with coronavirus, and you're either you're either showing up, and while you're showing up, your competitors who are, especially if in, in smaller companies, but your competitors who right now are are silent and who are shrinking you, by definition, showing up and showing out in a way that they're not is a differentiating factor. I've always felt like that. And if you're working with a good marketer, like someone like Kate Healy, who understands the analytics behind it, then you can make decisions that move your brand forward and you can cut your risks because we get to see, right, Kate? We know what's working and we know what's not working.
1: And (laughs) and now, because it's so digital, we literally know within. 30 minutes if it's working. I mean, that's how quick, if you really want to, you can shift the spend, you can shift what's happening. Um, we can track everything. We have so much data. Um, it can be overwhelming sometimes, but yeah, it's, it's you, you just hit it on the head, Tina. It's making sure that you are pivoting to the situation, to the environment, you know, love what you're doing with the podcast. There's no reason that advisors can't do something like this. What a great way to talk to clients and keep in touch with them and give them updates in a really, easy way for them to digest when they're ready to.
0: And in the mode that they want to have. Yes. Uh, we've we've said and, and we've known for years now that we are not the decision maker. The client is the decision maker. And if we are doing right by the client, for the client, and serving the client, then we are making sure that we are creating an experience that they can tap into and where they decide. And so I don't know, you know, I have the analytics on, on basically Mm -hmm. everything. And I also look at it as, and I love your thoughts on this too, Kate, from a, there's the quality quantity discussion, Uh, especially in the advisory, we've got return on investment and how do you know? And, and, but then there are also too on the quality side, it's return on engagement. And you don't know who that person is behind that one hit, that one download, that one email address. You don't know who you're talking to at the other end. And, and my feeling is like, what, what I've seen TD Ameritrade do for me is very inspiring that I've been following your work now for over, over 10 years, over a decade. And I remember even the day that you, know, you came in and, and you had the idea and the, the brainchild for the link conference. And it was like, it was very easy to buy into your vision because you were so passionate about it, but you had done the work to present it. Every marketing idea that TD Ameritrade had that that shared with the advisor panel then was Mm well-rooted in data analytics and a philosophy of the company. That is great marketing.
1: And a phenomenal team behind me to back all that up because, you know, I had, the best players, right? You know, our marketing department's fantastic. And we just, you know, everyone, every single one was what's best for the client. What is the right thing to do and how do we push the brand forward, but also in a way that's educating our clients and making things better for our clients. And to your point, you guys helped us, right? So by, you know, we love to say, you know, we're, we're doing the work, but if you, if advisors don't think we're going down the right path, then we, we need to stop. I remember one time we got great feedback. We were, we decided we were gonna form the RA community. We were gonna create this whole technology project around a way for advisors to talk to each other. And we presented it and I just remember someone at the advisor panel saying, have you heard of LinkedIn? <laughs> We thought, hmm, okay, so you know what? Yeah, you're right. Maybe we don't need to recreate the wheel here, and we can just form a group or do something like that. But that feedback is so important. And so I always tell advisors too: if you're not reaching out to your clients to find out what's resonating with them, to your point, right? You don't always know who's clicking, but find out who who's listening to you. What resonates with them? What are they? How do they want to receive that information? What do they think of your brand? What do they think of? What are the top three things that they tell their friends about you? That's your value proposition. Start by asking your clients what it is, what problem it is that you solve for them. Then it makes the marketing part easier because they're actually helping you do the work.
0: Well, and we had Julie Littlechild on before Mm -hmm. before your episode, and we talked about client feedback and even small, registered investment advisors, state registered advisors can utilize feedback. What you said is that we're really all here to solve a problem, but you have to know what it is that you're trying to solve for in the first place. And I even think like software technologies like Zoom right now, I I have my internship program. And so what I did Mm -hmm. was I surprised them one team meeting and I built in a couple of polls within Zoom. And you have to understand how that lit, lit them up that day. Yeah. And one of my questions is that are you being challenged? Are you being challenged in a way that you want to be challenged for this internship? And can, is, is the work hard enough? Is it easy? Is it too easy? Is it too hard, right? And then just even eliciting feedback brings a whole nother dialogue. And again, what you were just talking about, asking advisors, advisors are the, one, the, one of the smartest and most caring group of people. And the profession's really, really evolved.
1: And advisors love to give feedback. So it's a (laughs) win-win there. They're not shy. But just to to get back for one second about what you just said about your interns. First off, thank you for having an internship program this year. Because, you know, it's a tough year, right? There's a lot of uncertainty around there. But I really appreciate the fact that you went ahead and created an internship program. Uh, It's virtual, as so many of our lives are right now. But I think it's so important that you continue to do that you know, I think Thursday is National Intern Day, so we can all celebrate our interns. But it's so important to show the next generation the commitment that we have to making sure that we're developing them. So uh, kudos to you and to everyone who was able to keep their um, internship programs this year. All You know, I'm sure they looked a little bit different, but I think that's really important to to be consistent around that.
0: Thank you, Kate. That's always the platform and always a mission that you that you stood for. And what I did was I banked before coronavirus. <laughs> and when you are a, a, a scrappy marketer, and again, when you see what's working and what's not, and you just run a, a efficient company, then I made sure that I had some funds to make that a reality. And I would say that C-Suite Social Media, we're a small company. And mm-hmm. you do not need to be a large company; you do not to need to be an SEC registered investment advisor in order to have an internship program and One of the things that I love and you know we 've talked about it you at the conferences you welcomed and here was the model. nobody had done that before. you had brought these interns, you not only worked with them, TD Ameritrade gave them a place to work, gave them great people to work for, uh, gave them great swag and t-shirts. And I would remember that they would come into the conference, but then also you organized events around meeting young people and interacting with them. And so it was such a cool setting and it's something that I never forgot they being able to affect a career very early or at least to have a conversation with someone and saying, oh yeah, you're a computer science major. Yeah, you know what? The financial services industry is really, really cool. And kind of let me tell you why. And so for my internship, I didn't hire marketers at all. I hired computer science majors. And that was something that I started to see in at TD Ameritrade, people like JD Bruce who was very very on the cutting edge always brought mm-hmm. that technology to the conversation but what an incredible industry to work where you're intersecting marketing finance analytics technology right it is so exciting and i guess i'm just as super jazzed as you are about being here
1: yeah it's it, you know it's it's phenomenal having the students at the conference um we've had over 400 students over the past decade at the conference and it's it's fantastic to have their energy, but also, to your point, to expose them. Because so many people think of the RA industry or the financial advisor industry as just being the advisor part. This industry has grown leaps and bounds, and we need everybody, right? We need advisors, we need rainmakers, but we need marketers, we need traders, we need technology people, we need risk people. There are so many different roles within the financial advice industry that We've gotta make sure people are getting exposed to the industry and the beauty of the industry. They wanna be financial advisors, that's fantastic. They're not ready to be financial advisors, whether it's, you know, different career that they studied beforehand or they just don't have the confidence ready to, to go out there and be that rainmaker. There's a path that you can get to there throughout the company. You can start in a client service role, an operations role and move into different roles or move into becoming the chief operating officer of the company that's a phenomenal career path as well. Or the chief marketing officer. There are so many different avenues that I think it's important we keep spreading that awareness.
0: And you're doing a great job. I want to say that I saw you most recently on Twitter. Uh, Matt Sonnen had an article in wealthmanagement.com and people like you, your Twitter handle is Kate Healy underscore TDA. And so you should all definitely be following (laughs) Kate for, for her stuff and I saw you comment and share on that on that post. And again, I think it's that awareness factor but we, that we've all been missing. But now with technology, and I know TD Ameritrade, you came out with a big, huge announcement this month as it relates to next gen and making sure that, you know, young people, career changers, that there was a mechanism to come into this industry And to perhaps see all of the different roles that are available to people in the industry. But I think the way that you did it was very, very cool. So I want you to announce it. I want you, it's already been announced, (laughs) but but I feel like boom, I wanna I wanna have this (laughs) kind of second drum roll here for, for what TD Ameritrade is doing. So do you wanna tell us what that initiative is and explain it? It's
1: pretty cutting. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Tina. Um, you know. So as you know, I've been talking about next gen for, for over a decade and advisors in the beginning would be like, yeah, yeah, Kate. Okay. Yeah. uh Sure. Heard you (laughs) got to go. Um, or can you find me that perfect, you know, advisor who's got five years experience and I don't have to train them or develop them. And Oh, if they could be a woman, that'd be awesome. And those kinds of things. And more recently their advisors have really changed from the, the why, why is it so important that I hire new, the next generation? Why do they have to be diverse? All of that advisors are changing their tune and saying, okay, I I get it now, but how, how do I do it? Mm -hmm. So one of the number one questions me and all of my colleagues at TV Ameritrade would get was, I can't find the talent. How do I find the talent? Can you find me someone? And so we launched RA Connect, which is our service for also, there's two parts to it. So RA Connect overall is helpful from a succession planning and M&A perspective for firms to find firms. Um, But What I'm really excited about is the RA Connect Next Gen component. And that is open to um, advisors who custody with TD Ameritrade to find that next-gen talent. But the next-gen talent, it's open to anyone. So you can go in and you can fill out a profile and talk about whether you're in school or you're a career changer, you've got a job. You know, One of the things that I, my definition of the next generation, that's why I call it Generation Next, is anyone who's not here today. So that is women- it's young people it's people of color it's people returning to the workforce after being in the military or raising a family it's really expanding the circle of who is who needs to join our industry but what is fantastic about RA connect next gen is that it's anonymous and so if you think about what we can do to mitigate unconscious biases by having this an anonymous platform where an advisor can be attracted to the resume of someone and start to have a conversation about perhaps bringing that person onto their firm without having their own unconscious bias knock that resume out of the out of contention. Um, I think it's a great way to start the conversations. And then once the person applying for a job, as well as the firm, are ready to identify themselves, they can do that and get matched and have you know conversations through email. It's, it's a great way for advisors to find people. It's a great way for the next generation of talent to find advisory firms, because when you're in RA Connect, you're actually filling out a profile, right? You're talking about your company. You can talk about what your company values are, what your client base looks like. And if you're a next-gen talent, you can talk about the degrees you have, the experience you have, maybe where, you, where you've where you done internships, how you are um, if you're studying for your CFP. But So it's allowing that match, but I also think it's providing an opportunity to add more diversity to the industry, not just from the unconscious bias piece, but also, as we're all learning this year, virtual internships can work, virtual jobs can work. And so advisors may be able to add to their diversity by looking in geographic areas that aren't as close to them. Or if they see a student who maybe goes to an HBCU in a remote part of Texas, and they're somewhere else, they can form a virtual program for them to work together. So I I hope that it's going to also expand the diversity in the industry, but at the very least, it's going to provide this way for advisors and for the next generation of talent to find each other because that's the challenge that we have in the independent industry. There are great brand names that show up on college campuses, and it's really hard for an RA firm to compete when there is a brand name there with four recruiters who all look diverse and look like they are, someone that the the next gen talent might you know want to hang out with and so they're going to be they're going to gravitate towards those. So a great way for RAAs is to really show up on campus in ways where they can help whether it's guest lecturing or doing a pizza lunch or hiring interns and this is a, um, the RA Connect Next Gen is a great way for students and for career changers to find that next generation of talent. And so if anyone's looking for it it's www T-D-A-R-I-A connect.com backslash next gen.
0: And so we have people. Luckily, this podcast reaches people who aren't, aren't in the industry, which yet. is another reason. Yet. Exactly. Yet. Not in the industry yet. <laughs> and I'm talking to you. Yes, you're driving. You're on a treadmill. You're walking. I'm speaking to you. Kate and I are speaking to you right now. You're not here yet, but you're coming, and we can't wait for you to join us. A question for you about setting up the account is do I have to already be in the industry?
1: No. Absolutely not. So that's where you can, you'll have the ability to tell your story and about why you want to join the industry. So no, you don't have to be, it's not required, but you'll, you'll, you know, it's like filling out a resume, what your classes have been, what internships you've had, what projects you've worked on, all those kinds of things.
0: And if I want to see that, if I'm a casual career observer, I'll call it right I'm in a job right now, or I'm in a role right now. I hate using the word job. Uh, I'm in a <laughs> role right now that I am saying I probably would like something different in the future. Am I able to then go into the system? Do I have to put all of my information in there if I just want to kind of check things out and? see who's offering positions? Or does the system mean that I only get to see those opportunities if I have completed my profile?
1: Well, like anything, right? The more information that you put in, the better the match is going to be. And for the RA NextGen, actually, the advisory firm will contact you. You can't contact the advisory firm. They have to make the first contact. And so you'll want to fill out a profile in a way that is going to make someone want to reach out to you. So, you know, and it's okay to say that you're a career changer. I I talk to folks all the time, right? It's okay to be a career changer. Just talk about the skill set that you have that you can bring, whether that's project management, client relationship experience. There are so many skill sets that transfer from other jobs. It's perfectly okay to not have been in finance and still look for a job in an RA firm. You know, I was quote the statistic, 17% of advisors have a finance degree. And 17% of advisors have a communications or sociology degree. So, you know, there's there's really not any one way to join this industry. And we know that the financial planning schools are doing a great job graduating um, students, but not enough. And so we've got to look outside into other career paths and, and career changers. And also, you know, getting back to the, the article you were discussing, the reason I reacted to that is because we I think, do ourselves a little bit of a disservice in this industry. We talk often about the lack of women in the industry, and we do need more. But the reality is 46% of the industry is women. But they're in roles that we don't talk about. So they're in operational roles, client service roles. And we usually only ever talk about the advisor or the owner. And so I think it's important when advisors are looking to hire more diverse talent, sometimes they need to turn around in their own firm and look at actually developing the talent that they already have, mm. because there is talent there. And so really thinking through a career path for each of the people in your firm and talking to them and finding out, do they want to be an advisor at some part? Because you can create a career path that takes you from a, an operational role into an advisory role, or into the chief operating officer role, or the ownership role. Um, But just being intentional about thinking about that. And so I'm just trying to change that conversation because I don't want women to say, oh, I'm not going to come to this industry because women don't come here. They do. There's just so many different types of roles so that it's important for us to also look around for that talent and recognize that it may come to us in different forms and it may be in our firm already.
0: What can we do here on the podcast to bring more awareness to some of the roles that exist in in the profession? Do you have any ideas on that?
1: Yeah, I do. I think if we start to talk to people who are success stories, you think of someone like Heather Fortner at Signature FD. She Mm -hmm. was just named president. She was the chief operating officer. She she came in through an operations track, but yet she doesn't get invited to a lot of certain conferences because they're for top women advisors, and she's not an advisor, but she's a top woman in the industry. So think about talking to people who have had a different career path, but they're still running the industry in many ways. So, you know, calling you out on her, but there are others like her. I think that is an opportunity for us to really just highlight the different paths, even highlighting the operational path or, you know, someone who is running different parts of a company than just the advisory and business development roles, I think is important.
0: Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Heather, and I heard her on Michael Kitsis' financial advisor success podcast and also on Matt Sonnen's COO podcast. It is the Heather Fortner and the Shannon Spot, Spotswood RNG mm-hmm. advisory. These are women. Who are crushing it? And they, they
1: are that, absolutely they crushing have, it.
0: Exactly, and they've got such a a, a skill set, but they've got such empathy for other people. And I did talk to Heather about coming in the suite. I congratulated her when they made her president. So uh, hopefully, you're you're listening. Now, now I just
1: shouted her out. She has to. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. So that's so that's that's so great. And and we'll we'll talk about that. So yeah, I think that's a really good takeaway we we are featuring those those stories we think that it's really important we think that there is a new narrative and that there are ways to look at your talent in team and for you to design a career path around that and the way that that i've been working to engineer it especially in the last couple of years that the world has just has changed i think it's more of a collaborative exercise I think that it's really sitting down with people and rather than the organization saying, well, these are the roles that we have available and these are the the things. I'm kind of reverse engineering now and flipping that model on its head and saying, what is it that really lights you up? What is it that really excites you? And is there something more that you see like another person doing here that you wanna learn more of? And let me know what that is. And for the, I guess the, the Delta that's left, that doesn't belong on that person's plate. Why not? Like nowadays, we have such access to extraordinary talent because it is more of a virtual model now, and certainly coronavirus now all of a sudden made it <laughs> made it not only accessible but made it okay for everyone. Where we're a work from home
1: world. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's so important to think about that and just to. You know, and role, like my role didn't exist five years ago. So, and I always tell people when I'm, you know, as a, as a leader, I think sometimes people think that we're going to find that next role for them. I'm here to support anyone and what they want to do. But if they find that role and they describe it to me or they help me create that role for them, that's even better. Because then you're taking the initiative and you're doing the work to create what that role should look like. Sometimes we're a little too far up to see what roles need to be done, or we're a little bit too bogged down in running the day-to-day company. But if you, as a as a someone working in a firm, sees a need, you should absolutely go to your leadership and talk about what that need is and what that need is and how you think you can help. We we appreciate the help. We always say, right, the work is getting done at this level. As a leader, I'm I'm up here. I'm, I shouldn't be deciding how it gets done. That's I'm not close enough to it. The people that are doing it are the ones who are actually close enough to the work to decide what those what changes should may need to be made to make it, you know, run smoother, more efficiently.
0: And I wanna pick up on something that you just said because your role has evolved tremendously in, in you seeking new roles and new responsibilities, and not necessarily a new direction, because those things are part and parcel to Kate Healy, next generation, diversity, inclusion, next-gen talent, females, advisors, women of color, all of those, all of that, that whole platform is just you from the beginning that I met you on, on day one. But how is it that you convince senior leadership to, to do that? Because I think that A lot of us want to do work that lights us up and that aligns with who we are. And sometimes we're in a role. We might be in the right company, but we might be in a role that's not, I I don't want to say disingenuous, but not is aligned to really who we are. We evolve as people and our roles should evolve too. So how is it that you're able to take your role? And I think you are really the, um, I think you're the poster child for it, for being able to do work that you love that really aligns with what you believe in and your core values.
1: So, actually, I didn't. Mm. It actually happened the opposite way. So, you know, one of the things so we've been doing, I've been doing this on the side of my desk, if you will, while I ran marketing for years. And it's actually Tom Nally who thought of the role. And he, you know, one of the reasons he did it was because he knew we'd been talking to advisors for years and he didn't think advisors were paying enough attention. And so when he came to me, one of the things that he said was, you know, I think that, I think if I move you into a role, you know, same executive level, but a role to show that we're dedicating a whole position to this, because that's how important we think it is at TD Ameritrade, that advisors will start to also think it's that important. If TD Ameritrade is doing it, then how do I start to think about that in my business? Mm -hmm. So in in all honesty, that was the foresight of, of the leadership, of his leadership. You know, I was doing it, um, but I was also loving my role, you know, the role, the dual role. It was, it was getting tough to do both because I was spending so much time on the road and it wasn't as fair to my team. But the design of the role, the impetus for the role was really Tom.
0: Wow. Well, this is a lesson for everybody here listening in the suite. Pick a uh, great, outstanding leadership like Tom <laughs> Nally's of the world. And not only that, but make what you believe invisible, right? Yeah. So, yes, That part wouldn't have manifested if Kate Healy didn't volunteer her time. You know, you've done incredible philanthropic work in your career. You are a trustee for the Foundation for Financial Planning, you are a member of the Invest in Others board. You are a founding member of the CFP board's women initiative council. You are on the center for financial planning's advisory council, a founding member of the center's diversity advisory board. So like these things didn't just like magically happen. You don't say to TD Ameritrade like, Hey, I'm not coming in today. Cause I got to <laughs> take care of some, I got to take care of some other business. You know, talk to us a little bit about creating a harmonious work life and at the same time being able to give, being able to give like 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 Kate Healy. You know, how do we start to take our careers in the foray of philanthropic work that again aligns things that we want to do? How do we start to to bridge that and make that leap?
1: Yeah, I think you have to start to think about what interests you, right? What are the things You know, when I talked about why I got into this career was because I was fascinated with money, and I knew the value that financial planning or financial education even played in people's lives. You know, I tell the story that my father went to college on the GI Bill from World War II, and he got his master's degree on the GI Bill from Korea, and I saw the difference that made in our family because he had that advanced education. So I always thought it was important that people had access to that. So the foundation for financial planning always stuck out for me as a way to to give back. Providing pro bono financial planning to people who are in need is to me just one of the greatest ways. Financial education to me is a life skill, like learning how to breathe and swim and walk. Um, How to manage your finances is so important. And being able to provide that support has been fantastic. I've been involved with the foundation for, I think almost nine or 10 years now. Um, I'll be chair next uh, in 2021. But the, the great things that the, the foundation does is to support advisors in providing financial planning. And so we've had a, a pro bono for cancer campaign for the past couple of years that has been phenomenal. And I urge you all to go to the website, ffpprobono.org, to, just to see some of the examples of the work. But we pivoted just like we all did. So this was our 25th anniversary year, which would have been a great fundraising opportunity to say we've been doing this for 25 years um and it still is but we had a pivot so we're pivoting to covid support because if you think of people who are think of what's happening in this world and so many people are losing their jobs and needing help and who are they turning to they're turning to nonprofits but nonprofits aren't getting the support from their donors because it's just the crazy world and their events had to be canceled and and so we're trying to reach out to help nonprofits continue the work that they're doing and pivot to do virtual work so you know, the domestic violence alliances that we work with? How do we help them with with, um, virtual work to help the clients that they're helping, the folks that are working with military families or, you know, people who have cancer in their families, things like that. Like that doesn't stop because of the pandemic. And so it's been really gratifying to see, you know, the foundation and the industry rally around the foundation. We are actually continuing to fundraise and people are you know, giving money to help support programs through COVID, and we actually just launched a uh, a new volunteer matching program. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, a matching program. So it's an actual website that you can go to to find an opportunity for you to give pro bono help. And so I think it's it's somewhere you know it's a, it's a great way for people to give back. our, our one of the great things about our industry is that it allows us all to do quite well. And I think it's really important for us to, to give back to the communities. And one of the ways to do that is, is pro bono financial advice. And if you don't wanna give the financial advice, you can contribute money to the, uh, to the organization as well. But I think also, you know, go to the website and, and see the stories of advisors who have given help. It's really powerful.
0: So we're going to make sure that we include, there's been a whole lot of resources that you've mentioned throughout this episode. So again, if you're running, if you're
1: jogging,
0: wherever you are right now, you need not to worry. And, And that's one of the benefits that having someone like you, Kate, on the podcast is that you remind us of the importance of paying it forward and that we can take the next step. Philanthropy is such an important part of, I think, an advisor's core being anyway, that we we do recognize that we are in a privileged spot, I think, to know about financial planning, to have some sort of idea about money. And you were lucky enough that you had it very early on and always i think that if you're going to accumulate something you have to know about what that something is mm-hmm. right and so it is a privileged and it's an inclusive now right we're we're doing a lot more things to make sure that the environment is attracting women next gen mm-hmm. women of color men of color too i think we we we're you know not talking about that enough but there are some Real great, great, great standouts in the profession. One of the exciting things is that it is evolving. So we'll make sure that we have those definitely these resources. Do you have any advice on women embarking on their journey? And the reason that I ask is because I did my my interns have been involved in the podcast. They're really excited by it. And they're getting to see a lot of our, our guests and read the backgrounds of people. And they've, each, they've even too shadowed uh, a broadcast before, which they're very, very excited about. They're a little <laughs> nervous, but, but they did it. And I had them make me a question. And so their question is, what is the one thing that you wish that you had known when you began your career and you think is important for all women embarking on the journey of being a financial advisor to know.
1: That's a great question from your interns.
0: Yeah. Um, Natika and Anvifa, you guys crushed it on this. this.
1: uh, It's awesome. (laughs) And I would say this advice is not even if you, it's for anything in your life, not even just being a, a financial advisor, but don't be afraid to ask. We all internalize so much. We think that everyone knows what we're thinking and they don't. If you are not happy in your role or you want that next promotion or you want that career path or you want it spelled out for you, ask. It's it's amazing to me that we often don't ask because we think, I don't know if we don't think we deserve it or whatever, but when you ask someone, everyone is so happy to help. So sometimes it's just as simple as saying, hey, can you talk to me about this career? There, I, don't, I don't know anyone who wouldn't sit down and have a cup of coffee or a virtual Zoom meeting with someone and talk about what the career is like or how they could get to that next level. I think we're also afraid of everyone else and everyone else is busy, but it's a, it's a way for people to give back. And they're, they're usually really flattered and happy to be asked. So ask people, ask your bosses, ask people that you network with. Um, you know, If you've heard someone on a podcast or whatever, reach out to them on LinkedIn. Don't be afraid if they don't answer right away, but you know, they'll get back to you. I think, I don't know anyone in this business who wouldn't be willing to give someone some time to talk about it, but you have to, you have to ask, ask for what you want. I think that was a lesson that it took me a little while to learn. I remember the first time I asked my boss for a different role, I thought I was going to get fired and he was like, you don't like what you're doing. Well, then let's do something else. But it was just a very, and I remember being uh, like, it's that easy. I, you know, I really thought it would be this big, like, oh my God. And it was like, well, no, you know, there's a million jobs in this company. Let's figure out what's the right one for you.
0: Yeah. And there's so many different ways to ask now with technology. You really have nothing to lose. The worst, the worst thing that people can say is no. And I've I've learned to I've learned to update my version of no means like, no, not for now. No, not for now. Mm -hmm. No, not for now. And so you don't kind of, you don't take it so personally. And the other thing I want to point out that my, uh, an example of what to do in order to ask and something that the interns did here is that they went through the, they, Mm -hmm. they researched, they researched their topic And so before you present an idea, I think you have to have both sides, ones that work in your favor and ones that might not work in your favor. And we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes that we're not ready or for that next position or that next role or someone might say no to us because of something that isn't necessarily public. That, that also too mm-hmm. is something that I think is, is important, not to internalize it, nothing against you. Mm-hmm. So very, very good advice. Now, I, I want to just quickly uh, have just a, f- a few more questions here, but one as it was kind of like a light bulb one in my head. And I, I saw this with you on the CFP Women's Initiative. I remember being in that room. Oh boy, that brings back memories here being in a crowded <laughs> room. Boy, right. I love, yeah. I would give anything right now to be in a crowded room. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, and one of the, one of the initiatives that you brought was this idea of mentors, sponsors, and advocates. And I wanna thank you for being all of those things to me. So thank you, Key Healy. And I'm so blessed that I met you when I first came to this industry because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the power of your example and just you always being accessible. And I definitely haven't had as many conversations with you throughout the years as I should have, but I'm really glad we're having this one today. <laughs> but what is your? what have you seen changing? And I don't know if it's a COVID question or if it's a, a a technology question or just an evolution question, how has mentoring and with women being paired up with other women in the industry, how has that changed or is it changing? Or are we at a, a fork in the road right now where we're gonna see a bunch of changing as a result of covid.
1: Uh, you know, I think mentorship has definitely evolved for a couple of ways. I think one of the things that's happened over the past couple of years is the awareness of challenges that people face in the industry. So that's women, that's people of color, and I think that men who are in positions of power are recognizing that in a in a much broader way over the past couple of years. And so what's interesting is that they're looking for ways to help mentoring is obviously one of those ways sponsoring people right really pushing forward people's um, when they're not in the room and really focusing on bringing up that next generation and helping to develop that talent but from a sponsorship perspective you know putting people forward for roles um, and learning that you know you don't always have to bring in someone who's got the experience you need to bring in someone who's got the potential mm-hmm. so I think that has that is starting to help is the fact that there's this evolution where more people are joining the table. It's not just women trying to promote women. Now it's men and women trying to promote women. It's not just women trying to promote black women. There are more people getting involved. So I think that is an evolution that has started that's not going to stop. Because once it's in your consciousness, you can't go back, right? Once you, that, once you realize that maybe someone had different challenges to get to their role, and you can't forget that. And, and you, it's going to change how you think about people. Um, you know, I always talk about, we always talk about corporations. Corporations are made up of people, and once the people inside understand the challenges that other people may have faced, they're going, you can't help if you're human, to not try to figure out a way to help that. I also think that COVID has done a phenomenal lesson in showing us all how virtual works. Yeah. Whether it's Zoom or WebEx or Microsoft meetings or whatever you've used, or maybe it's just a phone call, but you're more comfortable with doing it now. I think that from the opportunity to mentor, right, it just makes it that much easier. I, I had a session earlier today, you know, and my mentee was sitting on her couch. I was sitting in my office. We were both comfortable. So the dialogue was even a little bit different. It wasn't her coming into my office and sitting across a desk for me and having that. That blocked kind of like, well, you're on this side of the desk and I'm on that side. It was a, hey, I'm, you know, you're on your couch, nice artwork behind you. The discussion becomes more personal, so I think it allows you to dive maybe a little bit deeper. But it's also allowing the accessibility. It's increasing the accessibility to be able to talk to people because I feel like we're, we're we've kind of even the playing field a little bit, right? We're all in our own homes. Oh, sure. maybe you have an office in your home or maybe you don't, but we're kind of we're all in the same situation. Yeah. So I think it makes it easier, but it also allows us to reach more people. And we're learning that. And I think it's going to allow us to do even more going forward. You know, the CFP board has been doing virtual mentoring um, by phone or video for a while. Folks taking the CFP exam, we started it out for women, women mentoring women. And, and we found it had such great results that we actually expanded it to anyone can mentor. Anyone who's taking the CFP can get a mentor and that mentor can be either gender
0: have we started to see an increase in the amount of women? Uh, I think we have. I think that the women's in women's initiative, and I think it will improve to, to do more. I really love what you just said about the virtual communication and never really thought about it in that way, that just by nature, that we all seem to be on an even playing field, that it changes the conversation because you're not sitting in a boardroom or across from one another, and you don't have that artifact to remind you, hey, I am in a subordinate position right Mm -hmm. now, right? What happens if we kind of remove those barriers from our thinking? What is the dialogue? What is our internal message to ourselves, right? How do we show up differently? And I'm hearing from you that we are showing up differently and people are acknowledging others being a lot more humid Human, yeah. human. I'm in Florida <laughs> right now. <laughs> humid, uh, exactly. But right, but being a lot more human to one another. So, really great, great advice. Wow, I didn't know that that the uh, Women's Initiative was actually doing that. What a great. Just what a great reminder, what a great evolution in the industry mm-hmm. that how you know, people and women in particular right now are, are being championed. So we'll make sure that we have those resources in the show notes today. And what are, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? I know now, now Kate's got a very, very busy, busy schedule, but what is the best way? Definitely follow you on Twitter, Kate Healy underscore
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. You can DM me there or just kate.healy at com is my email. Okay. And another way also, too.
0: On, uh, and Kate's also too on LinkedIn. hmm Are you doing TikTok videos yet?
1: Not mm-hmm. under my professional name. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> leaving um, that to... Uh, Some other next. I'm watching all the TikTok videos. I'm not attempting to, to do them.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm a stalking TikToker. Yeah, it's much
1: more fun that way.
0: Exactly. exactly. (laughs) And less embarrassing. Right. Sure. (laughs) Right. I love it. So one of the last questions, and I have, we asked this about everybody here in the suite, and we want to know if you have a a physical object, a mantra something you wear, carry to yourself that gives you that superpower boost. And, and I want to say, Kate Healy, I've seen those, I've seen those superpower moments of you. You don't get on stage and interview Condoleezza Rice unless you have, whoa, unless you have, I don't know, (laughs) put, you know, what did you tell yourself that day? I mean, that's, that's exactly the type of moment, right? How did you call your superpower the day that you interviewed Condoleezza Rice?
1: That, you know, that was, it was such a special day for me. I prepared so much for that. I only found out two weeks before the conference that I was interviewing her. I thought I was just introducing her. So, ton of work. And I think, I think one of the things that I've learned is that it's, it's sometimes it's about the physical part of you when you're speaking and you're in public, really um, being able to control that. And so, I, I'd been learning some exercises and things like that, just things to do before you get on stage to calm your breathing and bring your energy levels up. And I'll never forget, I was in the back corner of the green room. Not, It wasn't even the green room. I was, It's where they had all the extra chairs and tables. And I was doing exercises there when Condoleezza walked in. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> oh, that wasn't how I expected to meet her. But it was also great because she was so human. She was so wonderful. And I think she gave me the confidence that I knew that this wonderful woman was never going to let me look bad up on stage, no matter what. And she just, she was just so genuine that I think, because um, it, it was, it was, that was the most scary thing i'd ever done i will also say that for anyone who has to speak in front of 3000 people you can only see the first 200 cuz uh-huh. the lights are so bright you don't see the rest so you can pretend um that they're not there but i think you really just have to quiet your your inner thoughts i have this this mantra i say be here now so that you know we all always have a million things going on and you know especially just this past 3 months when i think of all the different things that are happening just try to quiet yourself and enjoy the moment or experience the moment that you're in. Um, I learned it years ago, gosh, probably twenty five years ago, and it's something I just try to no matter what else is going on, just calm my head to be here now and experience the moment that I'm in because all the other stuff is still gonna be there and it's not going to go away, and you'll get to it when you get to it if you don't get to it it's not the worst thing that can happen sometimes um, but I just so I just try to center myself and enjoy that, and with her, I was just like. Oh my God, I'm on stage with Condoleezza Rice. Number one, don't screw this up. But honestly, also enjoy the fact that you're on stage with Condoleezza. So it was it was a really special opportunity, one that I will absolutely never forget.
0: It was one of the most best women to women interviews. That it is the definitely one of the standouts in in the years that that I've been watching you and admiring you from afar. That was an unbelievable conversation. And she was so human and I'm just, I I'd love to be able to kind of talk about it now and get, again, get back into that moment of how that yeah. was. And it was, it was awestruck. I was awestruck. We all felt the magic in the room that day and was one of the greatest interviews I think that I've ever seen.
1: She's oh, really well thank great you. Great but great. she was the greatest interviewee yeah, for sure. It.
0: Yeah, you really pulled it off. So thank you for your advice. Thank you, Kate, for being here in the suite. And we are all grateful for your service to the financial services industry and for inspiring us. You know, keep telling us about it on social. I love to see it and sharing mm-hmm. the, the news and we're gonna make sure that all of these resources available for people today. But and I'm not going to ask you about Schwab or anything else like that, but you know we will continue to just be fans of Kate Healy and all that you stand for. So thank you so, so much for being here in the suite.
1: Well, Tina, thanks so much for having me in the suite. And thank you for everything that you're doing because you have done a ton to just even this podcast, raising up women and women's voices. It's um It's really special. And you've done so much since you came into our industry and look at just look at the power of a career changer if you will almost in many ways to come into the industry and look at it from a different way so i appreciate all that you've done and and thank you and thanks so much for the opportunity to be here and tell my story
0: thank you thanks so much kate you're listening to in the suite a podcast that shares amazing stories of women in business in the financial services and the wealth management industry. This podcast is sponsored by C Suite Social Media, a digital marketing and social media agency for C Suite leaders in finance and technology. You can visit C suite dot com to learn more and for show notes from today's broadcast. And thank you so much for listening and subscribing and helping to support this broadcast with your reviews. I would love it and it would mean so much if you left us a five-star review for this awesome episode with Kate Healy. You can also follow her at Kate Healy underscore TDA on Twitter. And as always, if you would like to share the name of a successful woman in financial services we should interview, please send it to me at Tina at C-Suite Social Media. We have received a lot a lot of great names. And if you haven't noticed, we have adjusted to a weekly distribution schedule to make it all possible for you. It's been tough, but we are rising to the challenge. Again, thank you so much for listening and subscribing to In The Suite.